Java is a high-level, class-based, object-oriented programming language. It's a general-purpose programming language designed to let app developers write once, run anywhere. Today, we're diving into the world of Java, so let's get started. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Sydney. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma, and we're debugging the tech industry. This episode is supported by Compiler an original podcast from Red Hat discussing tech topics big, small, and strange. Compiler is brought to you by the creators of Command Line Heroes and is hosted by Angela Andrews and Brent Simino. It's no secret that technology can be complicated and frankly, a little intimidating. Compiler unravels industry topics, trends, and the things you've always wanted to know about tech by interviewing the people who know it best. I checked out the Should Managers Code episode where the hosts discuss the 80-20 rule. 80% of a manager's time is typically devoted to managing, while 20% is devoted to coding and problem solving. They discuss how it can be hard to close the door on your identity as a creator, something many new managers struggle with. The hosts also discuss how you can keep your skills sharp when most of your time is spent managing. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, and I know you will too. Listen to Compiler on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll also include a link in the show notes and many thanks to Compiler for their support. So let's start off by talking about all of our experiences working with Java. I'm going to throw it to Kelly first because I know her answer and it'll be a short one. It is a short one. I took AP computer science in high school and that was Java based and I needed a tutor just to pass the class and I did not take the AP test. That was the extent of my Java experience. Mm. Sydney, what about you? (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. That's awesome. Uh, Okay, so at my previous job, I had done a lot of work in Java, specifically Java 8. So um, what was going on with it? That was a lot of legacy code that we were trying to spruce up um, for like a really big front-facing application with, like, high-traffic users and everything. Um, And that was fun because a lot of shit broke majority of the time. And so that kind of didn't really give us some leeway to, like, actually improve the code uh, to do other things. So that was was fun. Uh, It wasn't the most pleasant experience that I've had with Java. So I'm a tad bit traumatized. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. That my experience is also traumatic. I studied computer science in school and we did all of our classes using Java. Uh, I hated it. I, I don't I think because my first introduction in Java was with a professor that, to be honest, was just degrading. Okay. Like he would tell us he would tell us that like basically none of us were going to pass the exam. And he offered students like you can take a 50%, which is a failing grade instead of taking the exam. Cause it's probably going to be higher than what wow. you'll get anyway, even though it's an open notes, open internet test. Like it was just very much, I didn't learn what I needed to learn to succeed with it. So I just hated it. Um, a terrible professor. but we did build some fun things. Yeah, it was. Um, I built a tic-tac-toe game, but it was star Wars themed. So like the, um like the different like circles where you would like fill in x or o's they were like death stars and then you had like different characters and anytime that you placed a character it would make like a lightsaber sound so that was pretty cool um i also had to our like capstone project was to 
create the board game Ticket to Ride. And I I will never do that again. I will never even play the board game again because it was that bad. That's so, so sad. It's such a fun game. What What is Ticket to Ride? I have no clue what that is. It's, it's like a, so the, a strategy a, game. Yeah, it's a board game where you have, you're basically connecting two cities and you're collecting cards and you have to uh, basically Build create railroads. Along of it, uh, yeah, you're creating a railroad from like place to place to place to place. Oh, I've seen this before. Okay, I didn't know it was called Ticket to Ride. Okay, I got yeah, you. I know we're talking about now. It is actually pretty fun, but I it was a lot to code, especially because all of the images, there were like hundreds of images that we had to import. It was just Oh my mess. God. And we were using Eclipse, which is a terrible IDE for me. Like I just, it was too robust. I didn't love it. Um, and then at my first job at IBM, we would do, we would write tests in Java. So I did have some professional experience with it, but like, yeah, I hated it. Um, so cool. That's our experience working with Java. So glad we're doing an episode on it. Um, (laughs) but let's talk a little bit about the history because I actually found the history to be pretty cool. So Java was developed by James Gosling primarily at Sun Microsystems, which has since been acquired by Oracle. It was released in 1995 as a core component of Sun Microsystems Java platform. It was originally designed for interactive television, but was too advanced for digital cable TV industry at the time. I did not know that. That's How fascinating. Cool. That's right. Fascinating. Okay. Didn't, I love that it was just too complex and didn't work. Um, <laughs> that says a lot. Um, so Java was originally called Oak after an oak tree that stood outside Gosling's office. Uh, later, they ch- they changed that name to Green, and finally, it was renamed Java from Java Coffee, which is a type of coffee from Indonesia. Uh, so that I mean, that's interesting too. I, I and then we all know how JavaScript got its name, even though they're not related, right? Just kind of like piggybacked off the notoriety. But right, sure, I'm. I wish they explained why they changed the name so many times, like. And why did they change it to green? I don't. I don't. Why know if green? To be yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Naming things is hard. We all know this. Java 1.0 was released in 1996 when I was a mere toddler. Nah. It, pro- <laughs> it promised <laughs> write once, run anywhere functionality, so that provided no cost run times on popular platforms, and it allowed for network and file access restrictions. And major web browsers soon incorporated the ability to run Java applets, which are small Java apps, within web pages. So Java quickly became popular. Interestingly, I didn't know this. In 1997, Sun Microsystems approached the ISO slash IEC JTC1. I don't know why we have oh, so many yes, acronyms. That. Yes, <laughs> fabulous. I don't know what any of it stands for, so we're just going to roll with it. But they approached the standards. I assume it's like a standards committee, like the equivalent of like ECMA for JavaScript. Um, so they approached them in 1997, and later they also approached the ECMA International to mm. formalize Java, but it actually withdrew from the process, and today it remains a, a de facto standard and is controlled through the Java community process. That's I didn't know so that. fascinating. Okay. Kind of strange. I'm curious why it withdrew. Like, did it just have enough community support that it didn't need to abide by the standards? I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised by Some that. Some restrictions and... Yeah. Yeah. I, ooh, that's interesting. That was when? In 1997. So only a year after 1.0 was released. Mm-hmm. Right. That's baffling. Right. Huh. But, so as of March 2021, the latest version is Java 16. So that's where we're at today. There were five goals of Java. 
Um, the first it has to be simple, object oriented, and familiar, which makes me giggle because simple it is not. Let me tell you, <laughs> it is a very verbose language, and that's part of the reason it turns me off. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say one of these, one of these goals better be to make my life a living hell because that was my Ugh. experience with it. I, I think that if we're very analytical and losing that kind of creative side of what like you're going to be doing in terms of like web development, then Java definitely does the job. Uh, you kind of lose that creativity and you're more like analytical with most things as you're working with it. So, I mean, maybe it, it gets a lot simpler as you kind of like go forward with some of the newer versions of the language, but I have not experienced that just yet. So, <laughs> Correct. Yes. I find this a, and we'll talk about what strongly typed is later on, but it's a strongly typed verbose language. So yeah, I think they failed in my opinion at this first goal. <laughs> But it is, it is definitely object-oriented. I don't know what the hell familiar means. Like People who are like a really big fan of Java are going to be listening to this episode and be like, wow, they really hate Java. Emma's like throwing shots. Just boom, 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 boom. So here, here's, here's the thing. Like, and this goes for anything that you're learning in life. If you've got a bad experience with a terrible teacher, mm. you're not going to enjoy it. I'm sorry. Exactly. And like that has just totally tarnished my... Uh, viewpoint on it. And that's also because it really hindered my ability to learn programming concepts foundationally. Yes, I agree. That was exactly where yeah. I was feeling uh, when it comes to my abilities for a really long time. Like mm -hmm. it made me feel like I was not a programmer at all. Like I couldn't do JavaScript, even though I was formally trained in JavaScript, because I couldn't figure out what was going on with Java mm -hmm. over the course of like, throwing like water on fires and then like, you know, whoa, they turned out to be grease fires. So we made it even worse, you know, all that oh, fun yeah. stuff. So I totally understand where you're coming from. <laughs> it was a humbling experience. Yes. Trying to learn a hundred percent. Yes. It's just like, I didn't understand concepts like, um, inheritance and overriding and overloading and encapsulation. I didn't understand these concepts until I was like, a couple years into my JavaScript career as a professional web developer, because even though JavaScript is not an oriented, object-oriented programming language, it did, you know, it had like class syntax and tactical sugar, and that helped me learn. But when I was coding in Java, I literally had no idea what a constructor was because I was never taught it. I was just thrown into it and expected to like swim. Yeah. So that if people listening are like annoyed that I had a bad experience, that's just the reality of it. And and we're not the only ones that have had bad experiences with it. Yeah. So please understand that, you know, there there's I am so gracious for the community of like tech people that we do know that, you know, would help us if we needed any uh, any type of advice or kind of going on with uh, Java specifically as a language. But if you guys have looked at the any of these like documentations kind of lately, uh, it's definitely not as modern, not as um, what is it uh, more kind of image based, not as much like uh, it's more analytical. It's more analytical. Right. It's it's making you like think a little bit more uh, uh, when it comes to like the technical kind of processes of it, which is fine. But um, you know, just it's for different strokes, different learning. Uh, preferences for people and it's a lot it, it's it's definitely a lot <laughs> well and like if you compare the syntax of it to another language like python it is much more verbose i'm gonna say verbose a lot probably because like take take for example public static void main string args like 
that is a huge ass like signature. Okay. And you need it. Right. But like, it's so confusing for beginners to come in and see this and not have it properly explained to me. Like, what does all of this do? So my personal opinion is this was not a great first programming language for me. I think Python would have been a much better uh, introduction to programming language than Java. And that's just my personal opinion. I think Java is great for many reasons. It's great for enterprise applications. It's not so easy for beginners. Yeah, I completely agree with you. The four other goals of Java are it must be robust and secure, which I would I would say it is. Yes, it must be architecture neutral and portable. Um, it must execute with high performance and it must be interpreted, threaded and dynamic. And we'll talk Mm. about what those things mean in just a second. Um, one thing that Java is known for being is an object oriented programming language, which I mentioned in the intro and this, you'll see this abbreviated as OOP. That's how we called it in school. (laughs) And I, oop. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, every single time I read object oriented, that's what I see. That's exactly what, that's what's in my head. (laughs) So an object oriented programming language is a paradigm based on the concept of objects, which can contain data in the form of fields, which are known as attributes and properties and code in the form of procedures, which we call methods. Objects own methods and can access and modify the data fields of itself. And we'll give you some like examples conceptually of how this works in just a little bit. But the most popular object-oriented programming languages are class-based, meaning Mm. that the objects are instances of classes which determine their types. So for example, let's say we've got a class of animal. Um, We can have different instances of this and we'll talk about inheritance and all that, but like a dog is an animal. So they have, it has an, is a relationship and this class can have like a type of animal and a sound it makes and a name. And every time you instantiate or extend a new class of animal, it comes with these properties. So that's kind of the basis of it. And this was really hard for me to wrap my head around in terms of like building really data focused apps that weren't Mm -hmm. necessarily like you really have to change your paradigm of thinking when like you really have to think in terms of objects and like that can be really difficult when you're building apps that you don't necessarily see in terms of objects Mm. yeah i can see that so let's talk about what it means to be a threaded language um javascript is a single threaded language but java is a multi-threaded language so what is a thread a thread is an of execution is the smallest sequence of programmed instructions that could be managed independently by a scheduler. And this scheduler is part of the operating system. So multiple threads can be executed concurrently, sharing resources such as memory. And Java is multi-threaded, meaning it can perform tasks simultaneously. I think like maybe an analogy would be like if you're in a restaurant, you've got like the chef is cooking, you know, meals, the waiters are out taking orders. It's like you can have multiple things going on at once. Right. That makes sense. Right. But yeah. but a waiter, I think like the way I think of like asynchronous programming with JavaScript is like a waiter is like technically single threaded, for example. So he'll, he or she or they will come to your table. They will take your order. They will walk it back to the kitchen. They can't be doing like taking multiple table orders at once and, right. and all of that. So that's just my off the cuff analogy there. But I think it kind of helps visualize what we're talking about. Yeah, that was a good one. So what does it mean to be an interpreted language? Would either one of you like to maybe explain what that is? Yeah, definitely. So an interpreted language is meaning that its bytecode is translated on the fly to the native machine instructions and not it's not stored anywhere from what I understand. And so um, the development process is actually more rapid. Like it's, it's, 
it's going to be a lot faster uh, as a result when it comes to uh, executing whatever process that you're kind of going through. So uh, what can we use as an analogy for that, actually? I have no idea because in all honesty, I don't fully understand what this means. And I think that's fine. Like, again, this just goes to show you don't need to know everything in life, (laughs) especially because I don't work with Java anymore. So like, I can't give you an analogy. Oh my gosh. I don't know if this is going to be a helpful or not, but I just Googled it and this was somebody's analogy. Think of, so an interpreter versus a compiler translating uh, the program into a machine code and then executing it. Uh, think of the two like this uh, like this analogy. Your code is a letter written in Spanish. Your computer is a Chinese speaker. The compiler and the interpreter are linguists or language translators. Both the compiler and the interpreter in the end do the same thing. They want to translate one language into another, but each have a different method of doing so. The compiler's method is to take the Spanish letter, translate it into the new letter in Chinese, and then mail the new letter in full to the computer's house, the Chinese speaker's house. The interpreter's method is to take the Spanish letter, go to the computer's house, and then just read the letter out to the computer in Chinese. Nice. That's really helpful. Whoever wrote that gets a medal. We're going to link that in the show notes. So Kelly, if you could add that, that would be fabulous. Um, (laughs) Fabulous. So, and I think it's a given that or it's isn't it an argument like JavaScript is a compiled language? Yeah. Um, that was like a common argument of like some people saying it's not, some people saying it is. We're not here to talk about JavaScript. I like to relate back to it because that's what we primarily talk about is web development. Um, but that was a fabulous analogy. <laughs> that was really helpful. Yeah. Very much so. Um, why don't we kind of dig a little bit deeper and start talking about some of the terminology that you will commonly hear when it comes to uh Java. Let, let's go for that. Um, the biggest thing I think that will you'll be hearing as you kind of go along choosing Java as a programming language is the concept of an object, which has, gosh, it, you you can think about it. I guess um, I've normally thought about it as a space where you're able to give whatever this physical object is in, in this analogy, uh, personality, different types of properties, different uh, things that you're going to actually be doing with it, what uh, it looks like potentially. So um, objects have states as well as behaviors. And so going back to Emma's example, um, a dog has states like color. It has a state that's a name. It has a breed. It has behaviors such as, okay, it wags its tail. It barks. Uh, it likes to eat. It likes to, I, I, I don't know, like lick things and make it all gross. I was going to say lick its butt, but <laughs> 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 so there's that. Um, we're on the same page. <laughs> Good. Um, and an object is going to be an instance of the class as a whole. So you're going to be keeping majority of, um, your states, uh, its personality, different things that you're going to be describing for that object. Um, uh, it's going to be coming from the instance of the class uh, that you're referring to. So yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, like a class of animal, but let's say we've got a class of dog and it has all the properties and methods that Sydney was just saying. It has a, a color name, breed, and then the methods are like wagtail, bark, eat. Um, every time you instantiate a new object, it's going to have its own name, color, breed, and you'll pass these things into the constructor, these properties in, and every single one will be a separate instance of this class. Um, and they all inherit like the wag method and the bark method and all of that. So fabulous. How about a class? Sydney, what is a class? 
a blueprint or template that describes the behavior and state of the type of object it supports. So template, you are physically like getting a copy of whatever uh, types, personality, looks, uh, things, behaviors uh, from this particular class, and you're going to be giving it to the object that that class is supporting. Absolutely. And I like to think of classes uh, as kind of like a rubber stamp. And every time you want a new object or a new instance of that class, you just stamp mm. that rubber stamp. Huh. So that's how I've always thought about it. A blueprint is, again, it's great because it's like it tells you how to build a house. If you're building, you know, a series of houses in a development and they all have the same structure. There you right. go. That would be really boring. I would really hate my house to be cookie cutter like that, but I right. understand the analogy. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. You're in for a treat when you come to Atlanta. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Great. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let's kind of go a little bit deeper inside of different classes and talk about methods. And so um, I, I tell this to my students all the time, like kind of going into the JavaScript realm that, you know, you have these functions that are, you're going to be compiling and getting a result. And so methods are going to be the same thing. It's just that they're in classes. So that's from what I've always understood that that's the stark difference between functions and methods. Uh, for Java, methods are going to be a behavior. They are a, a class that can contain, or excuse me, classes can contain uh, many methods. So many things that you're wanting to execute when it comes to the personality, when it comes to the different things that you actually want uh, this particular class to do. Um, methods are where logic is written, the data is manipulated, and again, actions are executed. So if you're wanting the dog to where bark, the magic happens. yeah, that's that's where you're going to be putting in a method bark. So you might be able to uh, compile to the console that, okay, we're going to make a string that says the dog can bark and go from there. And then we've also got these things called instance variables. And we kind of touched on these a little bit earlier, but essentially each object has its own unique set of instance variables. So if I have a dog and Sydney has a dog and Kelly has mm -hmm. a dog, um, each of these are gonna be three separate instances of the dog class. Mm -hmm. And each one of them has different properties. So an object state is created by the values assigned to these instance variables. Yeah. So that's kind of what that is. Let's talk a little bit about the basic syntax. So there are some things that are just kind of required or not required. Yeah, I guess kind of like they're, I don't even know the English words anymore, but they are things that you should do if you're writing Java. Okay. So <laughs> case sensitivity is very important. So if you've got camel case, my dog is not going to be the same as title case, my dog. So like they're two separate things. So make sure that you're aware of that. It could lead to some bugs. Um, all class names should be in uppercase. So yes. that means that every new word is capitalized. All method names should begin with a lowercase letter. I think this is what we call camel case. Yep. Yep. The program it. file name should match the class name exactly, which I didn't know. And uh, I, I said this earlier, but public static void main, and in your parentheses, you've got string args followed by the array brackets. Um, this is the Java program processing starts from this main method. Uh, this is a mandatory part of every Java program. I didn't know that. I yeah, didn't know I didn't that. either. I didn't either. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> so cool. Um, that's Good kind of know. the basic syntax. Uh, if we miss anything, y'all be sure to let us know on Twitter because we're still, I'm still a Java noob. But 
<laughs> Let's talk about something that's always confused the living hell out of me, and that is inheritance. And we can't, I'm going to go through this, and then I will give you an analogy to help clarify this in your mind. Yeah, sure. So we've talked about classes. Classes can also be derived from classes. So mm. if you need to create a new class, but there's already a class that contains some of the code that you require, it's actually possible to derive your new class from the existing class. This allows you to reuse the fields and methods of the existing class without having to rewrite the code in a new class. And I think this is awesome. So right. you might have heard of superclass and subclass. Yes. The existing class is called a superclass and the derived class will be the subclass. And we can use this keyword extends. So if you see extends, so like class dog extends animal. Let's say we've got an animal class. It has a type, it has a name, and it has an age. And our dog class has everything that's inside the animal class. And let's, you know, let's say our animal class also has a method. It's make sound. Okay. So our dog class has all of those things, but it also has a wagtail class because not all animals have tails. They don't wag it, whatever. So we've got class dog extends animal. And if a class is inheriting the properties of another class, the subclass automatically acquires the default constructor of this superclass. But if you want to call a parameterized constructor of the superclass, you have to use the super keyword. So you might see that in the constructor of a subclass is the super keyword. That always confused me. That always um, confused me too. <laughs> but yeah, that's how you would do Like if you have like in our dog class, let's say we've got some extra uh, like fields that we need. Uh, maybe we could do like, uh, I don't know, uh, like Instagram handle. Let's say all of our dogs are famous. Okay. Sure. I don't know. I'm making this up. <laughs> so um, inside our dog instructor, we've got this Instagram handle, but we also need to like pass all the other arguments to our super class. That's where you would use a super uh, method to do that. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That tripped me up a lot when I was learning. So <laughs> I'm happy I figured it out now when I don't actually program in this language. Isn't that great? Like you suddenly <laughs> just don't work with it anymore and it just, it all starts falling suddenly into place. Clicks. Yeah, when you're not like traumatized. <laughs> I mean, but here's a really great example, though, of the more experience you have learning a particular language, mm -hmm. it applies to other things you learn as well when it's a completely different language as well. Like the, uh, the, a lot of concepts will still somehow carry over or mirror, which is why it's once you establish that baseline, it's a little bit easier at times to pick up a new language or a new library or a new framework because at some point there are there are replications from one to the next. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's why I kind of understand uh, going into classes with quote unquote object oriented JavaScript a little bit more because of my trauma. So <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing about your trauma. Right. <laughs> I've had my therapy with it. But anyways, um, let's start kind of going into interfaces, which is I, I have never been able to completely understand and grasp this, but we're going to try um, it is a contract between objects on how to communicate with one another. So for interfaces, this defines the method uh, as what a subclass should actually be using. So hopefully that makes a little bit more sense now that I've had to try a third time. <laughs> I, None of it makes sense to me. No, so. I don't understand it, but let's read from a tutorial. Which all that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> So it says, an interface in Java is a blueprint of a class. It has static constants and abstract methods. The interface is a mechanism to achieve abstraction. There can only be abstract methods in the interface, not method body, and it is used to achieve abstract abstraction, which we already said. 
In other words, you can say that interfaces have an abstract method that's literally just repeating itself. So okay, if you want to know what an interface is, don't ask us. If you want to know, um, there's a really great resource that I, I use to learn things called Google. Cool. We'll link it in the show notes. Cool. Fabulous. Um, so we've touched on classes, but there are just a couple other things that I want to mention about classes. Um, there are a few different variable types. Uh, Sydney, do you want to tell us about those three different variable types that you can have in a class? Yeah, sure. Um, so again, we're talking about classes, uh, contains, uh, any of the following variable types. So we have local variables. These are defined inside of methods. Um, also constructors, uh, constructors, excuse me, or blocks and will be destroyed when the method has completed. So they're not going to be kept in memory forever. Um, I I think that depending on like the actual structure of, uh, what is it, privacy uh, of the variables that will either be stored um, or will be deleted depending on whether or not the job is done. So local variables, uh, you know, it's going to be used and then it's gone. Instance variables are variables within a class, but outside any method, they can be initialized when the class is instantiated and then can be accessed from the inside of any method, any constructor, or any block that is within that class. And then we have class variables. So we have class variables that are declared within, of course, the class. Uh, They can be declared outside of any method with the static keyword. I didn't just, I didn't connect that until just now. That makes a lot more sense. (laughs) Yeah, that makes more sense now. And then some of of these keywords are really confusing, like static and private. Like I never fully under, like I never learned them, which is stupid because I was programming in Java and didn't know what any of these things meant. I was just like grasping a straw. So no wonder I hated it. Right. It's like public. I think there's static. I think there's private. Um, there's there's another one. Protected. Um, protected. Like what the hell did you build a moat around it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> With sharks. Be something like that. <laughs> these things are called access modifiers. And obviously they tell you how you can access these different things. Um, I don't fully understand the difference. Um, Default, I'm not 100% sure. Public, you can use pretty much anywhere in the class. Protected, you can only use um, in some instances like within that class. I don't think that you can use it um, outside of it. Um, and there's certain restrictions that you can do like inside of whatever that class that you're doing with it. Private, um, I know for a fact that you can't use it like anywhere else in uh, your code for like wherever it is. Um, it needs to stay in that specific area. Um, and then final, abstract and strict. I know that they have their non-access modifiers. Um, I'm forgetting off the top of my head, like what they're supposed to be doing. So we're going to look that up. <laughs> There's um, I linked, I'll link in the show notes. There's a page on Oracle uh, who now owns Java. But they have a couple of different tables that explain the access levels of public, protected, no modifier and private, where you can access those things, whether it's in the class, the package, the subclass and the world. Um, there's also a visibility table as well. Ooh, yeah. um, so if you're interested in learning more about access modifiers, um, just go check that out in the show notes. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going on a constructors, right? <laughs> Indeed we are. So every class has a constructor, right? Yeah, every class has a constructor. And if you're not explicitly declaring a constructor, 
the Java compiler builds a default constructor for that class. So that had always confused me. So there's like an invisible constructor if you're not planning on like using that physical constructor to make or execute like any properties inside of a a method. So I think that's interesting. (laughs) I think that that's great that Java assumes for you. uh, But do I ever remember that there, there are different like types of constructors that you might need when it comes to the invisible one, as well as like whatever one you type. Uh, that that's a little bit that's a little bit going over my head. But yes, you can have different types of constructors, and Java likes to compile a default one that is invisible to the human eye. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever created a class without a constructor, and I didn't know that would automatically build you one. So that's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> there are a few steps when actually creating an object. So declaration is when a vi- it's a, essentially a variable declaration with a variable name and an object type. Mm-hmm. Instantiation uses the new keyword, which is a protected keyword in Java. It's used to create the object. Then you've got initialization, where you've got the new keyword followed by a call to the constructor, and this initializes your new object. So, in uh, you know, the dog example would be like new dog, and it would be like you pass in the string for name, and you pass in the number or the int for age, and etc. Um, so that's kind of the difference between declaration, instantiation, and initialization. And what else is there? Um, enums, I guess we can talk about next. Have you had any experience at all doing anything with enums? Is it enumerators that that's short for? I don't know. I don't know what it's short for, but I use enums with TypeScript. Mm-hmm. Uh, same exact concept, but um, it was introduced in Java 5.0. And I think, what did we say we're on Java what now? Like, 16 16 or something. 16, yeah. So it it was quite a while ago. And essentially, they restrict a variable to have one of a set of predefined values. These are super duper useful. Mm -hmm. So for example, let's say you've got an enum for shirt colors. You have an online store because e-commerce is a thing that people do with their lives, like Kelly knows. Um, Let's say you've got an enum for shirt colors. We only sell blue, red, and yellow. Mm -hmm. Um, You can create enum shirt colors and then in curly brackets, just blue, red, and yellow. And so anytime a shirt needs to have a color, um, when you're instantiating this object or initializing it, I'm sorry, you can pass in one of these three shirt colors and yeah. it'll provide those values for you. And it's nice. I don't know if Java has auto completion. I would presume that there are, you know, your IDE would take care of that. Um, but it's really, really useful. I absolutely love enums. And these don't change. Uh, you, you would not normally change these enums in any way, form or fashion mm. is... No, like, I don't think you mutate them at all. I think they're, like, set. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. Cool. Um, let's go into basic data types. Uh, we have... <laughs> Since we started with the most confusing one. <laughs> yeah, basically. So we've told you guys that Java is a strongly typed language. And so you're going to need to make sure that you are um, expressing whatever the type of uh data, uh, variables, whatever you're uh, trying to execute kind of going forward. And so there are eight primitive data types that you would normally use uh, going forward. One would be byte. What's that one? It's um, it's just eight bits, right? Yeah, it is eight bits. Um, but I don't understand what you would use it for necessarily. Very, very, very fractional small numbers. Like really minuscule and you wouldn't even use it for that. I don't think, I I think that typically you would use int, the integer. 
Um, yeah, y'all are going to have to look up the specific use cases or definitions of these. We're just going to tell you what they are so you know if they exist. There is bite, there's short, there's int, integer, there is long, you would use that for longer numbers, um, there's float, there's double, of course there's boolean, and then there's car, char, however you want to say char, it, character, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I say char even though I know that it's pronounced character in long form, <laughs> Yeah, so um, why the hell do they have so many primitive types for, like, numbers? I don't know. I don't care. I don't use Java. I'm sorry. I'm being facetious. Uh, <laughs> I, so the difference between – and this is actually a really common interview question that I got when I was interviewing for back-end jobs was, like, what's the difference between a primitive and a reference type? Mm. Like, primitives are going to be, like – literals so like right. it is a string it is a number it is a true or false value um reference data types which we're about to talk about mm -hmm. reference objects essentially and um they are created using defined constructors of the classes they're used to access objects mm. so they're declared to be of a specific type that cannot be changed so employee or dog and class objects and array variables fall under reference types uh, and yeah, I guess the default value of any reference variable is null. So that's that sense. kind of the difference is one is a reference and one is a little the actual like thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 What about overriding? What, what's oh, going God. on with that? Overriding and oh. overloading. That wasn't, that was another question that I would get. No, it's actually quite, um, easy to explain, but, um, overriding, what's the difference between overriding and overloading where this. That's a question that you would get a lot um, when interviewing back in the day. I don't know if you still get this, but essentially, if a class inherits a method from a superclass, so let's say our dog class also has a make sound class. So it doesn't mm. have a bark class. It has, again, a make sound class. You can override this method from the superclass, from the animal class. Mm. Um, and what, you know, what you would do then in your dog class, you would actually define the same method with the same name so it would be make sound and anything inside there is now overriding the super classes oh, method okay so um a benefit of overriding this is the ability to to define behavior specific to the subclass type so that's what overriding is essentially um again you do this by declaring a method with the same name as the super class uh and that's kind of how you would override something okay then um we also want to make sure that everybody understands that, you know, this, of course, this is an object-oriented programming language. So you're going to want to at least know about the four fundamental object-oriented programming concepts going forward, right? And so we've already discussed inheritance. So that's one. You're going to be potentially looking at subclasses, superclasses. Um, you are also going to be talking about the concept of polymorphism, which is the ability of an object to take on many types of forms. And so the most common usage of polymorphism in object-oriented programming is when a parent class, actually a, ref a reference of the parent class is used to, re uh, to refer to a child's class object. So uh, we have here for an example, um, you know, public uh, interface and the vegetarian. And we also have what is a public class animal and, uh, gosh, public class deer. We're going to be extending animal and then we're going to also be implementing vegetarian also in that whole class. So I love <laughs> that we have to have all those keywords, extends and implements, uh, to make sure that we're uh, 
moving in uh, the different properties that we need from animal as well as vegetarian to even like do anything with deer. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, another fundamental OOP concept is abstraction. Um, so this is where you're actually dealing with ideas rather than events. So for example, if you're sending an email, it's the details like what actually happens when you send this email. So like the protocol your email server uses, these are hidden from the users. Mm. And so abstraction in Java is achieved using abstract classes and interfaces. Okay. Um, that one still, again, confuses me because I'm not a Java expert. Um, the other one that I thought I knew until I started writing this outline and I was like, oh, I didn't know what this was at all. Encapsulation. Um, one of my favorite words I use in my daily today um, lexicon. <laughs> so Encapsulation is wrapping variables and methods within a single unit. So you declare these variables as private, and then you provide the public setter and getter methods to modify and view these variable values. So if we have an example, um, let's say we've got private string name, private string ID number, and private int age. So we're taking in a name, an ID, and an age. Instead of exposing these to you know, all the instances, um, they're private. And so we have to have these get age, get name, get ID number, as well as set age that takes, you know, the new age and sets it, set name, set ID num. And that way you're not ex exactly exposing these inner variables. You're providing these methods to mutate them essentially. And this is much more secure if I'm not mistaken. Yes, so. very much so. So you have those get age, that is the getter. Um, that's what you're wanting to make sure that you get back essentially. And then you have, of course, the setters where you'll be able to actually physically set them yourselves. Yeah. Indeed. So that was a very like Robust. shallow deep dive <laughs> into Java. Um, but these are just like the, the whole point of this was just to give you a brief overview of a lot of the terminology that you're going to be hearing about this language. Um, it's really hard to teach a, a language over a podcast. So um, we're going to link a couple of resources in the show notes. Oracle has a ton of documents, resources. They might not be the sexiest to read, but they exist. Mm -hmm. um, YouTube is probably one of the best places to go because it's free and there are some incredible tutorials on there. So be sure to check those out if you're interested we, in learning more about Java. We also want to make sure that we are linking to Angie Jones's course on Test Automation University. I think that would also be very helpful for people because she explains a lot of the Java processes very well for like my tiny brain. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I really love having to work with her and um, her resources. So make sure you check her out on Twitter. Make sure you check her out on Test Automation University. She is the Java queen. Uh, and this is free, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is free. It Are you so joking is. me? No. Okay, this is a gold mine. So forget everything I said. Just go watch Test Automation University course by Angie Jones. We're linking that in the show notes. Um, and it's free. Are you kidding me? Okay. Make a new profile. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And make sure that you tag Angie and let her know that you watched it. Yes, very much. But so. let's uh, let's quickly transition into shout outs. I'm going to let Kelly go first really fast. Yes. My shout out is to the two of you because you carried this episode and I just existed. <laughs> I found an analogy on the internet and I also recommended Google. So that was my contribution to this episode. So thank you both. You are welcome. Have a nice day. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. This is why we shouldn't record late in the evening, my time. But in any case, Cindy, what's your shout-out for this week? Um, my shout-out is to Josie and Jocelyn Harper, let me say, and Angie Jones, because when they hear this, they will kill us. They they will be like, uh, y'all bitches need to figure your shit out. Um, because we've, like, ratted on. <laughs> we've ratted on Java so much, and um, I... Josie uh, Jocelyn Harper from the Get Cute podcast. Uh, she is very much so. She's a great teacher. She um, is really good at kind of breaking down the concepts of what you're doing uh, in Java. And so she has a couple of episodes on where you learn with her uh, different analogies when it comes to basic Java concepts. So make sure you check the Get Cute podcast. Uh, also make sure that you check out Angie Jones um, for, our, for her test automation university course and go from there. So I love you guys. We're so sorry. Uh, oh, please don't God. kill us. <laughs> we should have had them on instead of us to explain this. Um, but to be fair, look, Hey, we did criticize Java. However, we did give our reasoning behind it. And I think it's a valid reason. I'm none of us said it's not a great language. Like it is a great language. It's just freaking. No, I, I think it's great. It's, it's, that was a lot for my tiny brain to handle on top of like other stuff. So I've, I've had, my, I've made my peace with it. I've, I've gone to therapy about it. So we're, we're learning as we go along, but Emma, what is your shout out? My shout out is to my first manager who switched me to front end development where I fell in love with programming and finally realized what the fuck I was doing with my life. <laughs> so... That's great. So also, fun fact: my first manager was actually my dad's manager for a long time at IBM. She's the reason I moved to Texas. Oh, that's awesome! So, fun fact: that's yeah, so cool. Um, but yeah, if you didn't hate this episode, tweet about it. <laughs> um, each week we select a tweeter to win stuff, and this week we're giving away the O'Reilly book, Learning Java. So be sure to tweet how much you didn't hate this episode. We post new podcasts every Monday. So make sure that you're subscribed to be notified and make sure to leave us a review only if it's good. Thank you. And we hope that you have a great day. Thank you. See you soon.